Hi everyone, welcome back to Bird Watching. This is a podcast about the cultural legacy and impact of the crow, and I'm your host, Randy. It's been a big couple of months for the show, and I'm excited to get back to normal programming now because uh, this episode has taken a long time to get correct. Today we are diving into all of the music utilized in the 1998 to 1999 television series, The Crow Stairway to Heaven. This actually has a lot of interesting stuff going on in it, and I've definitely learned more about late 90s Canadian alternative than I ever thought I would. Let's get into it. As is tradition with all of the Crow adaptations we've covered, music plays a huge part, but Stairway to Heaven has an insane amount of music connected to it. You have the music composed for the show, which unlike a lot of TV shows, actually like kind of matters in this case and has like an interesting weird offshoot in and of itself. We've got the music that Eric's band plays in the show, which is new for sure. Uh, We actually get full performances from Hangman's joke and not just, you know, a snippet in the film. And we also have, like any late 90s Monster of the Week TV show, a variety of cross-promotional band appearances, as you do when there is a music club baked into your plot. <laughs> it's very Buffy. I know I said that a lot in the episode, but also, it's very Buffy. <laughs> it's also worth noting, and maybe as a bit of an explanation for my part, that the music for this show is also hard to track down. There was no official soundtrack release for this, the first Crow property to not have that happen. Um, There was a CD with like all of the scoring and a couple of the licensed tracks that exist, but it was only given to cast and crew at like a rap party, which is interesting. It's mostly the score pieces for the show, the Hangman's Joke songs, and... Dragula by Rob Zombie, because I will never escape him as long as I make this show. (laughs) So before we get into anything else, I want to talk about Peter Manning Robinson, who composed all of the, like, background and incidental music for The Crow. Um, This guy, like, his work on the TV show is, like, nothing insanely remarkable. And I don't say that to be mean, I say that because, like, when you're making cable TV it's often quickly done and cheaply produced and that's not a bad thing that's just how it is like it is a perfectly serviceable score and that's what it was intended to be but like apparently during his period like writing for tv shows and stuff he invented this thing called the refractor piano which is like a steinway that's like decked out with a bunch of like pedals and like soundscapery stuff and like it's all organic like there's no like samples or midi and it's like a very like multi-utility instrument to the best of my ability to describe and he's gotten a lot of like attention for the solo work it's all very experimental it's very like classical and jazz influenced it's very like intellectual like for lack of a better word but it is interesting that he like totally invented a new like thing and it is pretty cool he also does a lot of visual imagery that goes along with the refractor piano stuff and he produces and directs all of his concerts which are like multimedia you know outings So that's pretty interesting, and I guess a lot of the ideas for the whole thing came during the scoring, so who knows, maybe the constraints of working on Stairway to Heaven 
gave him the inspiration to deck out a Steinway. Because Stairway to Heaven is both an adaptation and an extension of the first Crow film, we have a couple of callbacks to music that is used in that. We have a couple of usages of Graham Ravel's Believe in Angels theme, which you'll probably recognize as like the really pretty string theme that's super evocative that plays during the most emotional moments of the first film, particularly at the end. But it's more notable that they try to flesh out Hangman's joke, Eric Draven's band, more than the movie does. We see a couple of press shots of the band in the club in the film, and we, of course, briefly hear Sarah play like 15 seconds of one of their songs called We Can't Rain All the Time, which is like a bit of a plot point in the film. And it's also worth noting that that 15 seconds sounds nothing like the Jane Sibbery version of the song that is on the actual soundtrack and plays over the credits. It's some Joy Division thing that we never hear again and never really gets brought up again either. Hangman's joke in Stairway to Heaven sounds pretty different. There's definitely no Joy Division there, but we get two full performances of songs that are theoretically by them. So who wrote that music? That would be Peter Himmelman. The two songs featured in Stairway to Heaven are Fly So High and Seventh Circle. Fly So High is like an early plot point in the show. Eric and Shelley meet while he's performing it for the first time and it becomes like their song. How romantic. And those are off of Peter Himmelman's 1998 album, Love Thinketh No Evil. Peter Himmelman is like all over the place. He does a bunch of different stuff. Um, He had a song on MTV in the mid 80s called 11th Confession that some of you might know. He's won an Emmy Award for, like, songs and composing. He's won a- he was nominated for a Grammy for a children's music album he made. He's done a lot of children's music. He was in Sussman Lawrence. He's released 14 solo albums. He does synesthesia art. He helped create a, like, talking and singing bear for kids who were hospitalized. And, like- Peter Manning Robinson he's done a lot of film and tv scoring for like cable tv and nowadays is working in like corporate America and using music to help like communication and leadership and team building he's a like he's all over the place there's a lot going on with this dude but his music is also featured in the crown Like a lot of mid to late 90s television, there is a lot of emphasis placed on music in this show. Not only just because it goes along well with the property, but because just like everybody had cool bands as background music on their show. Especially if your show had a music venue baked into the plot. Not unlike the Bronze and Buffy, we have the Blackout Bar in Stairway to Heaven and a lot of famous bands graced its TV production studio stage. So here is an episode-by-episode dive into who is featured both in person and not on the show. I honestly had a lot of fun researching this, but it was also like easily the most research I've had to do for a CODA episode of this podcast because there's just such a huge swath of artists in different areas of the music industry, in different phases of being a band. You know, you have like household-ish names like Garbage and Rob Zombie, and you have sort of like scene legends like Crystal Method and Biff Naked, and then you have bands that like, this is kind of one of their biggest exposure moments, and it was really fun to dig into like MySpace pages and like forum posts and like reunions and things like that. 
So there is a lot going on in all of what we're about to discuss. So I hope you enjoy learning something new or maybe remembering something you love from back in the day because there's a lot of cool bands in this soundtrack. It's a great lineup. In episode one of the show, uh, Canadian alternative band Pluto from Vancouver performs Out of My System. And I was very frustrated because this was the first band on my list. And little to no information exists about them. They broke up in 1999, so pretty shortly after their appearance on the show. Um, they were nominated for a Juno Award, which is like Canadian Alternative Underground um, Music Awards. And they released a couple of albums. And the Out of My System is apparently from their last release in 1998. Um, they briefly got back together in 2011 for like a one-night-only Mint Records anniversary concert. Um, very little information exists about them. The only social media I could find was for a MySpace page, which obviously is pretty out of date and did not actually contain any songs. <laughs> and I believe the album the song is on is called Shake Hands with the Future. It is not available on Spotify. Um, but either way, interesting to note. They were the very first band to appear on the show. Episode two of Stairway to Heaven features some real heavy hitters in terms of people who would go on to have pretty like notable careers. Uh, of course, we have the millionth and a half appearance of Rob Zombie in a Crow franchise. Dracula appears as a house is being trashed. It is gloriously late 90s. <laughs> I actually might see Rob Zombie this year. I hope it's a good show. But more notably, maybe not more notably, but maybe more interestingly, we have... Spaceman by Biff Naked. Biff Naked is a great Canadian lady who has had a long and interesting career, is still doing stuff, has beaten cancer in recent years, has like an honorary degree from college, knows a lot of shit about like Buddhism and stuff. Like just a super interesting person. And I really loved getting to discover her from working on this episode. I've honestly been listening to her quite a bit in the past couple weeks. Um, Highly recommend and loved hearing it on the show. It's a perfect like encapsulation of what the music for this show like should be it's awesome and we also have car crash by power man 5000 power man 5000 has stuck around quite a bit in recent years and has been memed on incessantly on tiktok at least the parts of tiktok that i seem to be on (laughs) episode three features a performance of quiet little place by k's choice who are a belgian band like somewhat multinational in that way and um they also appeared on Buffy, which I think is funny because the whole time I'm like, this is just the bronze. And now it really was. <laughs> it also features Sleep Together by Garbage. If you're listening to the show and don't know who Garbage are, they're incredible. Shirley Manson is an icon and they're still touring and making cool music today. I might actually go see them in a couple months here at um, the same venue where I saw Nine Inch Nails last year. Uh, maybe that'll be fun. Uh, definitely one of the more popular artists on the soundtrack that has sort of stayed within cultural, like, mainstream-ish. Um, but great to hear from them. And again, just a great encapsulation of, like, that late 90s sound that so defines this era. Episode 4 features an in-episode performance of Coming Back by the Crystal Method. Crystal Method are super well-known in the industrial scene. They were also on another hugely influential movie soundtrack, the Spawn soundtrack. Uh, they collaborated with Filter to make Trip Like I Do, which is a pretty awesome song. But Coming Back is great, too. 
This episode also features Mirror Mirror by Wild Strawberries. Wild Strawberries was a band formed by a married couple. Um, and they were super involved in like the Lilith Fair scene. I think they were on all three Lilith Fair tours. And they were also on the Foxfire soundtrack, which is a movie I hadn't thought about in a while. Episode five features no licensed music, which I thought was interesting, but you know, budgets. So we'll just move right along to episode six. This episode features Never You Mind by Closing Time Guys, Semisonic. Uh, <laughs> not to reduce them to Closing Time Guys, but if you know that song, that's them. They appear here. Very late 90s of them. Uh, and Park Avenue by Girls Against Boys. Uh, Girls Against Boys is sort of a indie group, sort of a post-hardcore thing. Um, they had just put out their major label debut, Freakonica, at the time. If I'm saying that wrong, don't tell me. It's spelled weird. <laughs> um girls against boys recently reunited in 2021 and they're active once again and for anyone keeping track of any joy division stuff for the crow girls against boys has also notably covered she's lost control for a tribute album episode seven featured the good life by cracker low had already been a hit at this point so this was a wild get for the show (laughs) um feed it by the candy skins early brit pop innovators they actually broke up very shortly after this episode was aired and crying at airports by whale who are a swedish kind of i call it like in my head i know this is like maybe not very nice i call it like weirdo pop in my head you know i hate to compare all swedish artists to bjork but yeah there's some bjork (laughs) episode eight featured psycho clogs by jack drag this is the solo name for jack dragonagity who is a part of the submarines and this was their first single as part of the solo unit it also featured Come Here Boy by Imogen Heap, who is a British pop singer that I remember listening to in like those early Tumblr days. She's kind of cited as like the early influence on that explosion of weird artsy British singers that exploded around 2009. Uh, her name and Florence Welch would occasionally get thrown together. Um, and she's recently come back to music since the pandemic, um, talking about how like a lot of the social media stuff pushed her away. Completely understandable. But we're getting more Imogen Heap stuff these days. And then, maybe most interestingly, and a name that we will see in the next couple of episodes for sure, is Leona Ness. Um, This was a pre-album release single. Uh, Ness's album got delayed by that almighty villain of the music business, the label merger. So she had signed to Outpost Records, and that logo for Outpost appears on the TBD album art that's used in the show. Outpost didn't survive to put out the record, and her career's had a few stops and starts over the years, but she did release an album just last year in 2022. Episode 9 featured Monster Side by Addict from their album Stones. I can find next to nothing about this band except for a few glowing reviews of their album. But I do like this song. It's polished in a way that a lot of the grungier tracks present here are not. It kind of blends... It like it's kind of does that thing that Stone Temple Pilots does really well, where they like blend that like arena rock, almost like 70s, 80s, like classic thing with like the 90s sensibility. I really appreciate this song. And then Kent are apparently the most popular rock band in Sweden, and they're also featured here. I weirdly know them because of Guitar Hero 4, which brings the Guitar Hero bands on this list up to like three. Um, They disbanded in 2016, but they absolutely owned the 90s and 2000s, particularly in Europe. The music featured here was from their first attempt to break into English-speaking markets, and it wasn't as successful as the stuff in their home country, but... uh, it's one of those things where like you're peering through like the tiniest window to this band's career and then if you were in another country this would be like getting like a huge huge act um to be on the show so that's really cool 
episode 10 features First Slide, a band that released one album and broke up because of quote-unquote disappointing record sales, which I thought was interesting. I've never heard a band use that to justify their disbandment before. This also featured The Amazing Crowns, formerly The Amazing Royal Crowns. Um, you have a lot of rockabilly elements, but also whatever you're imagining is rockabilly. Imagine it like 30% more like heavy. And this is another band that I knew from Guitar Hero on this list, which I thought was very funny. There must be a lot of like Canadian folks working on the Guitar Hero soundtracks. And also, you know, licensing is fun. Episode 11 featured music from Mystery Machine, which is just about the most perfect band name you can have for a Monster of the Week TV show. And Jesse Powell. Episode 12 featured Remy Zero, Elysian Fields, and a musical performance by Copyright. That is the name of the band. That is not just me uh, hitting a paywall on my research. <laughs> Episode 13 featured music by Fuel. Episode 14 featured Delirium by, um, Silence by Delirium, rather, which is a side project of members of Frontline Assembly. Um, that's a band I've really been digging into lately. And this is, like, one of those cool, like, female vocal-led dance music things. This is the Tiesto and Sarah McLaughlin uh, feature. And this gets called one of the greatest trance songs of all times by people who don't listen to a lot of trance, but also it's a very fucking good song. So, you know, that's pretty cool. This also featured a musical performance by Garrison Starr. Episode 15 features Oleander, Transistor, Mud Girl, and most notably, Goodbye by the Painkillers, which basically de facto becomes Hannah Foster's theme music. Anytime Hannah appears in any of the episodes going forward, you will hear from the Painkillers. The Painkillers play a pretty big role in the episodes that they appear in. But there are four bands called the Painkillers, and it was fun to track them down. So here is, to the best of my knowledge, the most accurate, the Painkillers. Cherish Alexander and Billy Baker started the Painkillers in L.A., and they added in a full band as time went on. And their first album was called Medicine for the Soul. Three of the songs from Medicine of the Soul are featured in Stairway to Heaven. Most notably, Goodbye, they are Hannah Foster's theme music. And I think it's perfect. Episode 16 features music by Tin Star. Episode 17 features Econoline Crush. Episode 18 features Finger Eleven, Stretch Princess, and The Painkillers once again because it's a Hannah episode. Episode 19 once again features Leona Ness. Episode 20 features The Flies. And episode 21 has Hall of Mirrors, The Painkillers once again, and Stereophonics. And last but not least, episode 22 features music from Joy Drop. That is every artist featured on the Crow's Stairway to Heaven soundtrack. And there's something really interesting about all of this. Like, yes, a lot of this music was chosen maybe solely because the CW could get a record crossover placement with all of this music that was already in their library. That's how CW shows work. And this was a CW show uh, or what is now known as the CW. Didn't used to be called that. But I think it kind of holds to the spirit of Crow soundtracks and that they are super eclectic. You never know who's going to turn up, but you might find your new favorite or you might find an old favorite that has done something new and wonderful. And I appreciate the eclecticism to all of these soundtracks. And I think Stairway to Heaven honestly really nails that. It certainly does capture its era. It's very late 90s. 
There's a lot of influence from Lilith Fair. There's a lot of influence of post-grunge. What do we do now? We throw everything at the wall sort of things. But we've also moved away from the, like, more new metal elements that are especially present on the City of Angels and, uh, coming up, Salvation soundtracks. I found a lot of interesting artists that I never would have heard of any other way, and I bet a lot of other people did, too. So, um, if you're a band member out there, or someone who loved these bands in your youth, and maybe you went down a Google rabbit hole and found this episode, um, thank you for, for making work and for liking work that is cool and weird. And I'm glad that we got to talk about your favorite thing today, or at least a thing that you liked a long time or were a part of a long time ago. I've actually had that happen more and more lately where I talk about something very niche on this podcast and someone who is part of that niche finds it and goes, thank you for talking about it, which is a very gratifying experience. But if that's any of you, and uh, maybe I'm putting the card ahead of the horse here, but you get the idea. Uh, Very grateful for y'all out there. And with that, we conclude our base coverage of The Crow's Stairway to Heaven. This is the most research I've ever had to do on the show. This is a 22-episode series of television. All of those episodes are 45 minutes, and they all had three to four licensed songs for me to talk about, if not performances by the bands on the show. But that's what I love to do, and that's why I do this show. Even though this took me six months, I enjoyed getting to dive into the weird stories of all of the bands featured here, of the people who created the music in any capacity for the show. Every story was different. Nearly all of them were interesting in some way. So thank you for listening to this long gestating coda episode. And thank you for listening to our last episode about Birdwatching's Big Night Out at the Belcourt Theater in Nashville. That was truly one of the best nights of my life. I am so grateful for all of the people that I met that night that I've stayed in touch with who are also very excited about the show. And thank you to you for listening to the episode. I hope all of you are doing well out there. And for next time, we have some cool stuff coming up for the show. Um, We'll be diving into the written works of The Crow, the novelizations, the collected poetry work. Yes, there is a collected poetry work. And maybe even some fanfic (laughs) about this. And I'm excited to say that we'll be doing some of that on location in New Orleans with special guests. So put that on your calendars and look forward to it because it's going to be awesome. Until then, thank you so, so much for being here, for waiting for this episode, and for listening, however you listen. And I'll see you next time.